I've got a slide that I've got the guys to just put up now. And uh, it's called Enlisted in God's Army. Enlisted in God's Army. So right throughout the Word, through the Old Testament even, we read in the Old Testament specifically, we read about armies and battles, victories and losses. Israel is at the helm of all of them with the, all the ites, basically. You know, I don't need to name them all, but all the ites are there. So in the Old Testament, the word armies, in the Old Testament, it occurs 62 times. Army occurs 250 times. Soldiers occurs 32 times. Battle occurs 236 times. Then when we go to the New Testament, that's the one behind the old, if you don't know where it is. Uh, then in the New Testament, soldiers occur 62 times. Soldier occurs 14 times. Battle occurs six times. And armies occurs 60 times. But anyway, you can go through and have a look at yourself. And it's probably much more than that in the Word that you can read about it. But however, I'm hoping we can all catch that we are in a war. We are in a war. And it's time as a church we rose up and took this seriously. All the holiday that I was away, God says, are you ready for battle? Are you ready for war? We are soldiers of the Lord. If you said yes to Jesus, you have enlisted in God's army. You have enlisted in his army if you said yes to Jesus. And this is nothing to take lightly or not listen to what I'm saying this morning. Because God looks at us as not only as a son and a daughter, but he looks at us as a soldier. Why are we putting on armor? We have enlisted in the army of God. I want to talk to you a bit about that today. In the Old Testament, you will read that the battles and armies were with real people, real soldiers and armies in real geographical places, apart from Ezekiel 37 and part two, I'll talk to you about that, which we'll talk about later. But in the New Testament, through Christ, his life and journey on earth, then later through the first disciples, the early church, and now us, we realize we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but about darkness, about spiritual principalities that that, that are dark that are demonic, that are oppressing, that can oppress us every day of our lives. We realize that that is the case. It tells us that in Ephesians 6.12. Even though we are not physically putting on, on armor, you know, I'm not standing up here with my breastplate on and my, you know, my helmet of salvation and all those things. We're told to put on the full spiritual armor of God and keep it on. We are in a war, guys. Spiritually, we are in a war. We are in a war for souls. We are in a war to see people who were lost found. When we get to that pearly gate, there is no other time for us to tell that loved one about Jesus. There is no other time to see them come to Christ. When we're standing there, there is no other time. We need to understand, we can't sugarcoat this. I'm not going to sugarcoat this for you because the truth is, and I'll be talking about it more, it tells us in the Word, there will be a line of goats and there'll be a line of lambs and there'll be nothing in between. What 
God line do we want people we love standing in? In the goat line or in the sheep line? We're in a war for souls, a war against the enemy who wants to destroy your life and those you love and those you pray for and those you care for. And you are here today not by coincidence. And this may feel like a heavy word for you today, but God wanted you to hear it. You're not here by chance. You're here because God wants you to be equipped and empowered. You know, the truth is Jesus has already won the victory over Satan. We know that. And he's taken back the keys of life and death. But we are daily fighting a spiritual war. It doesn't devoid us of what we are facing on this earth right now with the little G God of this earth, Satan. This is called warfare. As believers, we need to be ready at all times to warfare against the darkness that is pressing in around us. You know, this week on socials, I'll get the guys to, to um, pop up that slide. I'll put a slide on socials and I just want to read it out to you. The church is not an audience to be entertained. For too long, this is what's happening. For too long, people, I mean, I'm all for lights and pretty things and stuff going on. I don't have a problem with that. The truth is that's not going to save people. You are. I am. We're going to do it together. Christ saves them through us. It's an army to be trained and empowered. And I want to apologize for speaking to you about this today because it is true. We are not to be entertained to sugarcoat everything. To all, we better not say that because it's a little bit political this, a little bit political that. Was Jesus politically like that? Did Jesus... Mind his ears and his eyes around those who really needed to hear the truth. He did it in love, but he did it, right? He loved them so much he was truthful. Because he didn't want to see them go in the goat line to hell. Jesus has a victory and so do we for eternal life. But the spiritual battle on earth continues every day for us. We can't get away from it. I'm sorry. You walk out of this house, it happens. You could have walked, had it happen to you before you come in today. You could be feeling right now that the enemy's at you right now. Saying, how dare she say this? How dare she? What sort of blah, 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 blah. You know, that is an attack of the enemy. You need to pray against it right now in Jesus' name and take control over that thing because that is not of Christ. Truth is, these words are from Christ. We war daily against the enemy, his schemes and his lies. This is why we're told in Ephesians to put on that whole armor. Why may, why, we may all think we know this, but why do we allow the enemy to get a foothold in our lives and say, how did that happen? <laughs> you know, I could tell you some stories for the start of my year this year, but I'm not going to. But I can tell you that some people in this room, their 2024 probably hasn't started off too great. It's because the enemy knows you're going to have a good year. It's because the enemy knows something's going to happen in your life and the people around you. It's because the enemy knows that if he can get you now at the beginning of the year, you'll be destroyed by the end of 2024. I encourage you, he knows what you're capable of. The enemy knows your call. The enemy knows exactly like he knew Job's. He knows yours and he knows mine. And the truth is when we let him get a foothold, he wins. Don't let him win. You know, anyone who has been enlisted into the forces, and I was hoping that Daniel was here today, but 
Um, he's not, but he, they could stand here and tell you a story about what happened to them to prepare them to become a soldier. It's not for the faint-hearted, let me tell you. We need to have a personal conviction, or you need to have, if you go into that line of service, you need to have a personal conviction within self that this is what you want to do, that you are called to this duty, to this service. When you make a choice to become a Christian, a Jesus follower, you also make a choice to enlist in the army of God. And that should actually be told to a new Christian as soon as they become a Christian, is that welcome to the army of God, the Lord. Congratulations. You say yes to Jesus and you instantly become a disciple of Jesus and then you are given a mandate to become a soul winner. A soul winner. It's not for the evangelists just to do. It's not for the pastors just to do. It's not for the teachers just to do. It's not for the, you know, the ascension giftings just to do, the, the prophet. It's for everyone. We are all called to go and save souls in the name of Jesus. We are all called. I'm so passionate about this this year because I want to see no empty seats. I want to see Ross fighting for his seat. I'm going to keep count. Come on. You're a soul winner. And you're warring against darkness and even going to battle for all the pre-Christians. I'm sick of people calling them non-believers. Come on. They're just not there yet. They're a pre-Christian. Everyone has a chance. So let's start calling them pre-Christians. Not non-Christians, non-believers. Give them a chance. They need him as much as what we do. What we need him. When cadets enlist in the army, in the Australian army, they go to boot camp. And that's to see whether they get the boot or not. Sorry, that's a joke. Um, no, it's actually to push the cadet to their physical and mental limits to see if they have the stuff to become a soldier and make it through the battles. You know, I've watched many shows about the French Allegiance. Put up your hand if you've watched it. Bear Grylls. Anyone watch Bear Grylls, French Allegiance? Oh, man, tell you what, soldier after soldier was ringing that bell. They're going up to the bell, I can't hack it, I can't hack it, you know, ringing the bell. I mean, Bear made it all the way through, but some of the stuff those guys do. But it's to, to, to wheel out the wheat from the chaff, to see who's got the stuff to make it. It's that sifting process. Some of the sifting that happens is, is to expose character and integrity issues. You know, when the enemy attacks us as believers, we are also challenged in all of these areas I'm about to speak about. Okay? So... We talk about cadets. Australian cadet, they're pushed to their limits to expose a weakness. You know, it, I'm telling you right now, as a believer, it helps to find the emotional and physical weakness you have. The enemy does that in your life. He will push on that weakness as much as he can until you take control in Lord's name and, 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 and push away the darkness and the enemy in that area. The enemy will find them your weakness and use them against you unless we identify what they are, expose them with Jesus and eradicate them from our lives. We need to do it. I can't do it for you. I can pray for you. We can all pray for one another, love on one another. But if there's a temptation in your life, if you are stepping outside the word of God, if you are doing something that is not right in the Lord, stop it. Because the enemy has a foothold, right? 
Don't worry, I'm working through this stuff too. It's all good. You know, cadets are taught that there is no compromise. They're taught there is no compromise on the battlefield. When you're there, there is no compromise. You were there for a purpose. You know, in Christ, we are told there is no compromise. There is no compromise to the Word of God. There isn't a plan B. It's all plan A. There isn't a compromise in Christ. And yet we continually make excuses for poor and bad behavior. And we compromise the Word of God. We get challenged. I know some of you in the room right now, man, your spirit's jumping around everywhere. Mine was putting this together. We do. We tend to make excuses for our poor behavior. The Word tells us what is right and what is wrong, how to behave, how to think, and what to do. And there is no compromise in that. It is yes and amen. There is nothing in between. You know, as cadets go into battle, they're taught to have a plan, to know the goal, to be and get prepared for the enemy. They, they know where they're going. They know what they're doing. They know what the plan is, the battle plan. You know, as believers, we should be doing the same. I, I preached that message before I went on holidays, what was it, three weeks ago, about a smarter new year. I encourage you, if you haven't watched it, sorry, can't watch it. If you haven't listened to it, go onto our podcasts. They're easy to find. You know, Google, there's, there's Spotify, there's iHeart, there's um, um, Apple. Just look up Arise Church, Seaford, and go back and listen to that message on a smarter new year. We need to have a plan. We need to know what God is wanting us to do. We can make our plans. He determines our steps, but we still need to have a plan. As we'll be wandering around aimlessly trying to work out what we're meant to be doing for 24, and we just work a hole in the carpet. Because we're not really doing anything, you know. As believers, we should do the same. We should plan. As, as we plan through Jesus, yeah, as we plan, Jesus does need to be in the center of that plan. That's a big thing. He needs to be paramount. You know, cadets are taught not to lie down and not to stop, not to give up. As believers, when we do this, the enemy will take ground and start camping in places which we had previously taken back and we need to keep pushing the enemy back. He will come in and take that place that you have taken back in your life if you give him a foothold. He will come back in with seven others. He will come back in and destroy you even more if you continue to walk a path which is destructive. That's why he's given us free choice. But we need to be a people that don't lie down. That's when the enemy sinks his boot in the worst. When we let his, his lies get into our spiritual minds and our hearts and start to, to just, we wither. We lose the strength to fight on, to persevere. I've, the enemy has been so hard at me at the beginning of this year. I'm going through some of this stuff. But I tell you, I ain't lying down. And I'm not stopping. And I don't care what he throws at me and how he goes about it and how he tries to make me feel like I'm not worthy. I'm pushing in. And I encourage you, if that's you today, don't let him win. Push in. Do the same. Lean on Christ. Fight. Cadets are taught that unity is key for success. They stick together to stay unified. You know, we need to trust the leader, whoever that leader is, whether it's whatever leader. We have to trust our, our, our prime minister. 
We have to trust those who God and pray for them, who he puts in leadership. That's a biblical principle. It's a biblical thing. You know, no wars were ever won with a divided pack. Some running that way, some running that way, some holding the line on the left, some holding the line on the right. It's together they went, together, unified. If this happens, if it's divided, the wolves will come. The wolves will come. Soldiers are taught to avoid getting stuck in foxholes. Now, I had to look that up because God gave me the word foxholes. And I was like, what's a foxhole? And it says here, a foxhole is one type of defensive strategic position. It's a small pit used for cover, usually for one or two personnel, and so constructed that the occupants can effectively fire from it. Okay, so if you get stuck in that, you're taught in the army, if you get stuck in that foxhole and the, and the, troop, and, and the other troops, your enemy is advancing, Get out of the hole. Get out of the hole. Don't run away. Well, some people probably would have. Advance. Advance towards your enemy. That hold the line. That's what they're taught. You know, it's, it is a small pit used for cover, usually for one or two people, and so constructed, and the occupants can effectively fire from it. We can also be in a foxhole in a defensive position all the time. It's not healthy to defend all the time. We need to attack. We need to take ground. There are times we need to take ground back from the enemy. Go into the enemy's camp and what do you do? Went into the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. Come on. Took back what he stole from me. Louise is not singing up the back. She should be. Always used to lead that song. So we're doing it again like we're doing it again. Anyway, let's go into that enemy's camp. Let's take back like Jesus did. He went down there. He took back life and death. What should we do with what he's trying to steal from us? Let's not roll over. Let's not get stuck in foxholes. Let's get up and do something about it. Get into that camp and take that thing back what he's stealing from you. Don't let him win in 2024. Rise up. Rise up. You know, you also notice in the slide that I'm using today, I'll go back to that now, thanks, Andrew, that the army wears the same uniform. Now, listen here. I'm not telling you to go out and buy my same clothes because if you're wearing that, man, that would be crazy, right? Anyway, but I'm not saying that. I'm not saying we should be all wearing the same thing, even though that would be kind of freaky. But anyway, I'm talking about all wearing the same not wearing the same clothes, I've said that. I'm talking about us being clothed with Jesus through the Holy Spirit in unity, together, regardless of our differences, regardless of what we like, what we don't like. The one thing that unifies us is Christ and the other thing is the Word. The Word is truth, Jesus is truth, and that is what unifies us. But we are going to be different. We're not all going to get along. Well, we should, like, pray for our love. I'm talking about we won't all have the same likes and dislikes. We're not all going to want to do the same things. But there's two things that unifies, as I've said, the Spirit, okay, Jesus, and the Word of God. That is what unifies us. You know, in Isaiah, um, verse 61, 10 says, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. 
My soul will exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom puts on a turban, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. You know, you are clothed with salvation and righteousness. You know, that is just beautiful. We all are. Cadets are taught as well to champion on others in their platoons. And no man goes down alone or woman. They're taught to champion one another on, regardless of where they're at, regardless how good a soldier they are, regardless of where they are in the army. It doesn't matter. They're encouraged to encourage each other on, to keep going. You know, we need to have that same unified mentality, regardless. This is what unity that will grow this church and you and God and unity that will keep us together. It's that unity that is, Christ cannot move, the word says, without unity. It's that unity. And I love it here because we are a unified church and we love to fellowship. That's perfect. But the truth is we need to protect that. We need to endorse that. That's what should be one of our core values is we're unified. We're together regardless of our differences. You know, soldiers release captives and show them the way to safety. Soldiers know who they are and what and, and, you know, what they are and who they're fighting for and they know the risks. Soldiers are taught to slay the giants, to eliminate the enemy and release the captives. Isn't that our soul winner goal? Slay the giant in the land, release the captive and then bring them to Jesus. Bring them to Jesus to do this. God gives us Godfidence. Now, I know that's not a word in the English dictionary, but it is in mine. We need Godfidence, not just confidence. It's not about us. We need His confidence in us. Godfidence. Write that down, put it somewhere. We need confidence. Go, go, go. Godfidence. So we can resemble Jesus. We are called not only to represent Jesus, but we are called to represent Jesus. We are called to represent Jesus, to step out there and be Christ, to step out there and see someone who's lost. You know, quick story. I've, I've had this um, Hare Krishna lady, I'm trying to think, walk past me in her thing with bald head um, twice now. And I've been out walking. And the second time I walked away, God just went, really? He was putting her in front of me. This time she opened the gate. So I could get in to where I was walking. She literally, good morning, opened the gate. And I'm like, oh, yeah, good morning. And I get five steps up the road and God goes, really? You're praying to see souls one to Jesus? I'm bringing them to you. She needs me. I'm like, oh, can you please do it one more time? And I am. I'm going to have a conversation with her. Come on. If I don't, who will? Maybe God has put me in her life to show her to Christ. If I don't do it, who's going to do it? We are soul winners, just as Jesus was. You know, when you leave your house, you are now entering the mission field. In fact, I would encourage you, get a sign, put it on the door you leave your house that says, you are now leaving the mission field. Uh, You're now entering the mission field. 
I encourage you to put that up. You are now entering the mission field so that every time you walk out of that room or every time you walk out of that front door, you are given a mandate that the mission field is ripe, but the workers are few. We are called to speak the gospel of God in a relevant way that brings people to Christ. But we should put that on the front door. The Great Commission in Matthew 28 is for all of us. As we've heard before, it's not the great suggestion. It's a great commission. It's a mandate. No, not only those with titles do it, have to do it. Not only those who are leaders, it's, it's, it's something for all of us. We all, God has put, if God has not put someone in front of you that's not a Christian yet, I'm concerned. Go and find one. Because we should be surrounding ourselves with those who need Christ. The disciples didn't hang out together and sing Kumbaya around a fire. They might, might have done late at night when they'd gone out and evangelized, but the early church worked their butt off. Christ through them did it, but they were willing to go out and preach the gospel. Are we? What is happening? We expect people just to walk in the doors. We expect people just to come through the doors and stay. But that's not the way God works. He works through his soldiers going out and fighting the war. And we've enlisted to that war. Jesus gave a soul-winning mandate to all Christians. You know, I was listening to Todd White. Anyone here know Todd White? Put your hand up. You can say, oh, he's an evangelist. You know what? Read about his story. He was never an evangelist. He was just an ordinary person who went and stood out and started telling people about Christ, listening to prophecy in his ear. You know, God speaks to you if you're willing to hear. He speaks to every one of us. And Todd was the one that would just listen to what God wanted him to do, including telling Someone at a dinner table, something specific. And his wife then wasn't saved. Well, she, she didn't believe in what he was doing. She's come to the Lord now and they're working together. But amazing story. But anyway, long story short, he said there's a statistic that says in America that only 2% of all Christians, listen, 2% of all Christians will personally lead one person to Jesus in their lifetime. 2%. That's pretty daunting, isn't it? He then went on to say that it, how overwhelmingly underwhelming it is. You know, that really stirred my heart. He said, if, if a thousand Christians went out and led a thousand pre-Christians to the Lord. Imagine what that would look like. And then, he said, imagine if the new believers, those thousand new believers, then went out and led a thousand people to the Lord. What would that look like? That statistic would not be at 2%. I'll tell you that. Would not be at 2%. You know, we could smash that 2% statistic, even in this church, out the park. We could smash it out the park if all of us would just share the gospel proudly and not be ashamed of it, as the word tells us. Why would God, it always made me think, why would God put that in the word? I am not ashamed of the gospel. Is that because he knew that Christians to come would be ashamed or those who were there at the time would be ashamed of the gospel, not willing to talk about the gift that they'd found? You know, it's got me to think about doing some training this year for soul winning. 
The other thing he said, which touched my heart, was in Matthew 25, 32 to 33. And I've mentioned it this morning, but I encourage you to read. I encourage you to read Matthew 25, 32 to 46, because it will open your eyes. Something we should read all the time and regularly. Tob was saying how he would feel if he was standing in the sheep line on his right, the place of honour, and someone he has known for years is in the goat line, in the place of deception, on his left. And that person turns to him and says, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? How sobering is that? Looking at you going, to damnation, He says that would horrify him. And the moment he said it, something burnt in my heart. The time is now. It would kill me. It would, in my spirit, that something like that happened to me. We need to be sharing the free gift that we were given freely with grace. You know, in Leviticus, and this blew me away, it tells us, the Lord led me to this scripture, that the priest must continually lay wood upon the altar. We should never let the fire that we have received when saying yes to Jesus to tell others about Jesus, never to go out. You know, when I first came to the Lord at 21, I told everyone, you can ask Stephen, people at the shop oh you know you should know Jesus told everyone and then what happens it goes dry because it might not you know you, you get set back you get knocked back you get called names it doesn't matter what it is and you stop doing it the truth is when we're first saved and we first get given that first love we can't wait to go out and tell everyone of what we found and yet the fire goes out we are the altars that Jesus uses. We carry the Holy Spirit. The fire of the Lord is within us to see others one to Christ and participate in the process and it should never go out. I'm going to show you where that is. Leviticus 6 verses 12 to 13. The fire on the altar shall be kept burning. It shall not be allowed to go out. The priest shall burn wood on it every morning and he shall arrange the burnt offering on it and offer the fat portions of peace offerings up in smoke on it. The fire shall be burning continually on the altar, and it should not be allowed to go out. So what are you? Are you a priest of the Lord? That fire in your life, that fire on the altar, that fire that God's put in you, you need to kindle that, and it should never go out. We need to war with the Lord. He is warring. His angels are warring right now above us. We can't see spiritually what's happening, but there is a war going on. We need to war with him here on earth. We are his ambassadors. We are his mouthpieces. And we could say, oh, that person can do it, but we're going to give an account of what we have done. None of us can, can get away from that. It's going to happen. And it's not even in private. He's not even going to take you into room A while someone's in room B. and someone's in, He's going to do it in front of everybody. 
I don't know about you, but that makes me like, wow, I better get stuff straight. It's important in my life. If we don't become an army, we can slip into being a mob. We can slip into being a club. We can slip into being a crowd. Mobs do whatever they do. They're off on their own devices and they're, they're a law unto themselves. We see them everywhere in the world. An army, they have authorities. They have generals and they follow orders and they march forward and they don't live to please civilians. They live to serve civilians. We live to serve our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords. He is all authority in our life. We live to see people, civilians set free from being a prisoner and one to Jesus. You know, an army is what God is building. And we can be in danger of turning the church into a daycare centre. Ooh. Ooh, did she just say that? Well, that's what God told me. Go fight it off with him. Are you running a daycare? You talking to me? We are not a daycare centre. We are equipping, releasing, training you for war, sending you out into battle all week, coming back in, supporting, nurturing, loving, training, send you back out again, whatever it is. We're not a daycare. You know, God wants to make you a soldier, not a survivor, and he doesn't want you to be a prisoner of war. He's not somebody who just wants to get through, but a soldier. You are not a prisoner of war. You should not allow the enemy to make you one. Anytime you don't walk into battle, you can slip into bondage. If soldiers don't go into battle, there is a tendency to turn bad and get silly. They do. They, they get bored and they start doing silly things. You get a platoon not doing anything for too long and what happens? They all get into trouble. So the truth is that's not what God wants in our life. He wants us to be focused. He wants us to be moving forward together. You see, the Apostle Paul had a knack for using everyday images to explain spiritual truths. In the second letter to Timothy, he wrote, 2 Timothy 2, 3 to 4, Take with me your share of hardship, passing through the difficulties which you are called to endure. Like a good soldier of Christ Jesus, no soldier in active service gets entangled in the ordinary business affairs of civilian life. He avoids them so that he may please the one who enlisted him to serve. Now, we did have that scripture. I don't think it was put up. That scripture was there. Now, Paul wasn't saying that we need to go out and start a physical war. No, he was talking about the spiritual battle that we're all part of, whether we realize it or not. Now, this idea of being a soldier for Christ might seem daunting. But remember, we're not in this alone. We're part of an army. We have a commander who's already won the victory. And as the respected Christian author A.W. Tozer once said, the most important thing about a man is not where he is at any given time, but in what direction he is moving. We may not be perfect soldiers, but as long as we're moving in the direction of Jesus, we're on the right path. Let's start by considering what it means to be a soldier. In the physical world, a soldier is someone who has made a commitment to serve their country. They've gone through the rigorous training. They've di they're disciplined. They're ready to face whatever comes their way. They're not just fighting for themselves, but they're fighting for people and the values they hold dear. Now, let's think about this in a spiritual context. When Paul talks about being a soldier for Christ, he's talking about a similar kind of commitment. 
It's not a decision to be taken lightly. It's about being willing to face hardship, to stand firm in our faith and to fight the good fight together. But what does this battle look like? It's not a physical war, but it's a spiritual one. I've already mentioned in Ephesians 6, 12. This is a battle for, for our hearts and our minds, a battle against sin and temptation, a battle to live in a way that honours God and lifts up each other. Now, this might sound intimidating, but remember, we're not called to fight this battle in our strength. In fact, we can't. We can't do it alone. Our strength comes from God. As Paul writes in Ephesians 6.10 at the end of putting on the armour, finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. We're not fighting alone. We're not fighting with the power of God. Oh, sorry. We are fighting with the power of God on our side. And this is not just about personal battles. As soldiers in God's army, we're also called to stand up for the truth and for justice in this world We're called to love our neighbours, to care for the poor and the oppressed, to speak out about injustice. This is part of our duty as soldiers for Christ. Can I have Olivia up, please? But being a soldier for Christ is not just about fighting. It's about obedience. Just as a soldier obeys the commanding officer, we're called to obey God, not man. Well, man... Those who God puts over us, we need to obey because that's what God does in leadership. But we are foremost called to obey him. This means listening to his word, following his commands and seeking to do his will in all things. And it's not easy, is it? Come on, put your hand up if it's easy. It's not easy. It doesn't matter how young or old you are in this room. It's not easy. In fact, it can be downright hard. And not fear. We can do that, can't we? But it's what we're called to do. And finally, being a soldier for Christ means being part of a community. We are a community. Just as a soldier is part of an army, we're part of the body of Christ. We are all parts of His body. And we we should respect each other like that. We're not fighting this battle alone. We're fighting it together, supporting each other, encouraging each other and helping each other along the way. You know, if, if someone you know, a fellow Christian falls, don't point the finger. Extend the arm. Here, let me help you. Because God still loves you. He still has the best for your life. Let, let me help you. Let me pray for you. Let me get others to come around if you want them to and pray for you. So when we talk about being a soldier for Christ, we're talking about a commitment to serve God, to fight the spiritual battle, to stand up for truth and for justice, to obey God and to be part of the body of Christ. You know what? This is a high calling. You have been called into a high calling. He chose you before you chose Him. Do you know that? The Word tells us. He chose you because He knew you would be a good soldier. He knew you would share the gospel. He knew that you would pray for others when they were sick, that you would intercede for them. He knew that you would go on to do greater things than Christ ever did. And yet we let the world 
press us down and make us feel unworthy. We let the enemy take a foothold and tell us we're not good enough. That we have got what it takes. There is going to be a goat line and a sheep line. Go back to Matthew and read those verses. It brought tears to my eyes. Because you know why it brought tears? Jesus said them. Jesus said them. And I'll tell you what, I'm not the type of person to test Jesus. It is a high calling, but it's one that comes with the promise of God's strength and the assurance of His victory. We have enlisted in God's army. We have enlisted in God's army. It's time for us to take it seriously. There are souls who are going in that goat line. And we can hope that someone else will do it, like that lady I've passed twice now, that God put an earmark on me for her. I can only pray and hope He gives me another opportunity. We need to take this seriously because you will die. We all die from this earth. But who do we want to take with us in the sheep line? In 2 Timothy again, and I'll get the guys this time to put that slide up. Two, three to four. Take with me your share of hardship, passing through the difficulties which you are called to endure. Like a good soldier of Christ Jesus, no soldier in active service gets entangled in the ordinary business affairs of civilian life. He avoids them so that he may please the one who enlisted him to serve. Next week, I'll go on to part two. This is only part one. It's all right, it gets better next week. But you know what? This is what God has given me to share with you. It's not me who convicts. I have been convicted by this message, even bringing it to you. Because I am not doing the very things I am preaching. We need to wake up as a church. There are seats empty. There are souls to be won. There are people to be baptized. And there are people need to be in that sheep line are you with me take every opportunity the Lord gives you if they reject you walk on with Christ but don't avoid the opportunity it's a high calling but you are all called all of you it doesn't matter who you are even our youngest they're all called. And it's something we can't continue to sugar over and just hope that people walk in, that, that, that God will build here. God builds His church through you and I. And it's a high calling. We enlisted in the army of God. And I'm crying today because I'm crying for souls 
and the tears I shed are very tears that Jesus has shed for everyone that's going to be in that goat line and that's going to walk in that goat line. He doesn't want one person in that goat line. And I don't know about you, I don't want one person in that goat line. I want to see as many as we can in the sheep line. And I won't apologize for being passionate because I can't help it. Because Christ has been moving and working through me. And if there was one person that would have spoken compassionately about souls, it was Jesus. And we can't expect someone else to do it. We all play a part. So please stand today as we pray. And look, please come back next week to hear part two. So start talking about Ezekiel 37. How God breathes life. Just take a minute right now to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Just take a minute to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Why don't everyone shut their eyes, bow their heads. If he's putting people before your eyes right now, why don't you start right now praying for them? Who don't know him yet, who are a pre-Christian, who knew, who you know, who you want to be in that sheep line and not in the goat line. Start prophesying Jesus into their lives. Life and not death eternally if you need confidence this morning because you don't even know how to start your testimony is your testimony of what God's done for you and if there's anyone in this room that has nothing to say I'll be shocked about what Jesus has done for you it's a great place to start what Jesus has done in your life and how you wouldn't have gone through it without him So right now, why don't you just start praying for those people that you want to see right now sitting in this place or even just coming to Christ. It doesn't matter where they go as long as they're part of the kingdom. But they need a home. They need a community. Lord, we just today we just pray right now that we don't take you enlisting us as soldiers lightly. Jesus, forgive us when we have shrunk back instead of stepping out into the light. When we have not spoken in love the truth because we were afraid of how it would be taken. God, you have enlisted us to be soul winners. Preachers of the word. Father, today I pray for an anointing to come over this place. And anyone listening on podcast right now, for anyone who is reaching out in the Spirit, 
for a double portion of evangelism right now in their life. I pray if there's any evangelical gifts that are upon people in this room, that you anoint them afresh by the power of the Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. I pray that there is not one person in this room that does not receive the gift of evangelism in Jesus' name for all those who are reaching out. And even those who don't want to, I pray, Lord God, that you stir their hearts and stir their hearts and stir their hearts that they can't help to speak about Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that this place would be full to overflowing. That, Father, that people would be saved, that people would be found, that the lost would be found, that the sick would be healed. I pray, Lord, the bound will be set free. I just pray, Lord, those who are addicted, set them free, God, right now. Lord God, release your power, release your might, release your Holy Spirit like never before. Let us be vessels, soldiers who will stand in battle together and walk forward in victory for Jesus. Because we have enlisted in your army, God. If we don't take anything away here today, God, let us take away that we are soldiers of an army for the Lord that is fighting a war against darkness against souls in Jesus' name. So right now, God, I just pray that this word does not fall to the ground and not plant a seed that brings a harvest. I pray, I prophesy right now that this word will be a word that we will look back in years to come and we will see the fruit of the harvest because we have obeyed the word. I prophesy this over this house. Stir every heart for those in this place, the ones they see in the supermarket, the ones they pass at their jobs, the ones they pass at their schools, the ones they pass at their their workplaces, the ones they pass in their neighbourhoods, their family members. I just pray right now in Jesus' name that you stir the hearts of your people to see what Jesus sees when He sees the goats and the sheep that need to be separated. Touch us, God. Reveal yourself afresh. And let us not be complacent or think that's for someone else. It's for all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Receive that word. Receive it, receive it, receive it. Because that word, it will change your life and the life of the kingdom. And you've got this. Part two next week. It won't be quite as passionate. It will still be passionate, but it'll be a bit different to this week. But I want to let you know, come along and hear, because I will be prophesying over dead bones in this place. And it's time for the army to rise. And I'm believing this year when I preach, the Spirit of God is going to start stirring and touching and doing things miraculously where people stand. Because I am no longer, I am not, as a leader of this church, we will not run a daycare. It's not happening. And I will stand on the truth every time. Anyway, bless you guys. Stay for some fellowship. Look forward to seeing you all next week. We'll be starting up prayer meeting the following week and, and quite a few other things. I'll let you know about it. But praise you all and love you all. And yeah, thank you. <laughs>